What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Life's a Garden. Today's guest is returning for her second time on the podcast. It's been almost two years since she last appeared on the show, which honestly is an absolute disgrace that it's taken me this long to have her back on. Considering the show is called Life's a Garden, and she is in fact the one who gave me life, yeah, it's been far too long. That's right, she is my mother. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Shelly Fisher. You know what my favorite part about Thanksgiving with our fam, with just like the family in general, it always ends up leading into uh, talks of criminality <laughs> and like who's in jail and who's got in trouble lately and who's going to AA. Yeah, it's always something. Who's it's, sober now? Yep, yeah, it's always something like that. So, but it also leads to family memories. Well, know? yeah, which that's the part I like. The criminality, because I'm always the focus of attention just about when that comes I mean, around. Not, I mean, not lately. Seems like everyone else, too. Like, well, it's our family. And if it's not people in the room, it's people we're talking about. Yeah. Other people that. What's well, our family? I know. You That's know. why I say it's, it's always so fun. Shameless doesn't have anything on this family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, freaking. You said that that was like our. Sh- that's our show in a nutshell. Our show our show would be better than that. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, I do. And you do too. It'd be interesting to say the least. Right. The um what was I gonna say? Fuck, I don't remember. Um Holidays, you know. I figured I figured I it's been almost two years since you've been on. Did you realize that? Oh really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Since the boys were here? Well, no, that was... Because they... Yeah, I mean... Since they were here with us for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I looked it up. It was 2020. That's crazy. It was a, It was after Christmas. Time goes so fast. Yeah. It really does. I know. And so, I was like... I don't know. Part of me... There's definitely a part of me that really regrets not being able to have my dad on again. Yeah. When I could have. I easily could have. Yeah. So, I was like... And then I started thinking, like, why haven't I had you back on? You also are kind of camera shy and stuff. I am so. camera shy. I don't like pictures. I know. You guys probably have very few pictures of me. There's a, They're out there. A few. But it's like, I don't know. I've had Asian Landon on multiple times. Yeah. I'm not much for public. Oh, well. Mm. The boys. So, it's, yeah, the boys. Yeah. I miss them. Yeah, well, they were on, what, a couple months ago? Yeah. Tech, like, I guess. Yeah. It's so weird how, like, time, I'm so weird with time. I am, too. I think back, like, it feels like this year just went by. It went, it did go by really fast. Well, and I think the older you get, years just seem to go faster. But then I think about, you know, me and Landon went to Denver in February, and that was if not that long. Or, well, it was 
a long time ago. It feels like it was a lot longer than... Right. It's so weird how certain things... Indi- I don't know. Certain things feel longer than others. Like, Christmas always feels like it's just, oh, here we are again. Yeah. Because we're never ready for it, financially. God, tell me about it this year. This year I am. I'm not. This year I am. Because, well, I was going to buy a car. Oh. And so I had money saved. So I don't have money saved anymore. Well, But Christmas, to me, is a stressful time, you know. And... That's usually when my criminal behavior started. So mm. this year, I saved out. See, I did not. And I should have saved for my trip, too. Or one or the other. And normally, I'd start doing Christmas shopping earlier. You start early. Not me. I'm done. Mm-hmm. The only two I have left are the boys. And I'm looking for a PlayStation 5. Well, don't say that. No. They already know. Spoiling Christmas presents. You know what they should get is a big old lump of coal. (laughs) Or at least Darian should. Oh, he's fine. He's just a kid. He's a teenager. You know? Heard you've been skipping school. Stop it. (laughs) Better stop that. What did I tell you the last time you... What did I tell him last time he was on the show? I said, do good in school. Be, Be proactive and get into sports, which he did, which is cool. But then now he's fucking around. I'm going to be mad because no. I told you. Well, I w- of course I was going to find out. Right. Come on. Yeah. News travels fast. Well, I got to say you were really good with them while they were here. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I be? I mean, they think a lot of you. As they should. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had them for a lot of years. I know. Hopefully they'll be back. They'll be Soon. back this summer. I wanted to have them back at Christmas. I know. Those tickets are way too expensive. Yeah. They're like crazy expensive. Yeah. More people are traveling this year because no COVID. Mm, that makes sense. They were here right after COVID. During their trip, That the year that they came out here was right when COVID started. So. Well, the first time? Yeah. No, it was like right after. It was like kind of, because if it was December of 2020... It would have been like... But COVID was still yeah, 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 yeah. a major thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I don't know. It was it was good to have them here. It was different than the... Yeah. But it's weird how tra- traditions change, you know? Like, it makes me sad kind of at Christmas because I don't... I probably won't even put up a tree this year. You know? It's Why not? Just, well, because nobody comes to my house. You know? I mean, so... What used to be such a cool tradition, like all of us putting up the tree. And so it's weird how everybody's life kind of changes. Yeah. Well, I'm a creature of habit, too. And I'm I'm a very, like, tradition, like, tradition holds sacred kind of guy. I like, am, too. Where mm-hmm. I like to, you know, we still do some things the same. Like, we go out and look at Christmas lights on Christmas Eve. Or we try to, at least, without Landon throwing up all over my car. <laughs> Or your sister. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> either one, one of them is either going to show up and I'm going to be unexpected of it, or the other one's going to show up and I'm gonna, and it's going to be unexpected. <laughs> or it's going to be a surprise. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. One will show up and it'll be expected, and the other one will show. Or no, 
either either one of them honestly right showing up is unexpected anymore right is a is a surprise but uh yeah and i like that tradition still that yeah we go well look we at lights we still and... try and hold a few things but it's it's tough when there's moving parts and people people's lives change yeah. kids grow up i'm i don't like change i'm not I a fan hate change i hate it I'm a terrible person for change. But. I know you used to freak out when I'd change the living room around. <laughs> I mean, look at my house. It's <laughs> been the same for five years. As long as I've lived here, nothing's really, I mean, little things, but. I can remember one time we, you loved being downstairs in your room and on that couch watching TV. Oh, it was hard at to the get, Pueblo house? Yeah, it was hard to even get you upstairs for anything. I mean, you've always been your own person, you know, and, uh. I remember I sold that couch downstairs, and you loved that couch. And when they went to take that couch out, they had to carry you upstairs on the couch because you would not leave that couch. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> because it was an old couch. And we got a new one? We got a new couch, yeah. God. They was... used to throw your whole bunch way off when I would rearrange the living room. It does. <laughs> And you'd have to do it when I wasn't there. Yeah. And I'd come home and be like, what the fuck is this? Or I'd be painting a chair. <laughs> so weird. Did you ever, did you sell those uh, jackets? Yeah, I sold all of them. Did you? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Mom's making a, well, tell them what you're, tell them what you're it's doing. denim jackets and I just cut out pieces of it and put lace in there. Mm. Different, yeah, different styles and stuff. Yeah. You sold all of them, though. That's I cool. I sold all of them for $50 a piece. Made $400. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty reasonable, yeah. too. Like, 50 bucks. Yeah. At f it's really reasonable because I've seen some on Etsy and some of those for, like, 180 You know, I wish I could show one. They're really super nice. Did you take pictures? I did. I can, if you send them to me, I'll put them, okay. put them in so okay. people can see it. The it's uh, some orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then what was the other thing? You you did the jackets and what else? Was it just the jackets? No, I did wreaths. Oh, that's right. Did you sell those? No. Why not? Well, I, I'm not, I don't mean why not, but because, like I wonder why those didn't sell. Well, because the way we had stuff set up, they were kind of not on the main walkway. Oh, they were gotcha. kind of hidden. What Plus, are you going to do with I those? Plus, when I got there, I don't know. They're in my garage. When I one's on my door, but the rest aren't. Because when I got there, I used different material to do them this year. And when I got there, um, one of them, all the balls fell off and bounced mm. all over. So I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> I okay. That just reminds me because okay, there's something. I don't know if this is like just. I I guess I can't explain what this is to me, if it's OCD or if it's just like, I don't know, instant panic or something like that. But like you saying that reminded me of when we went, it was my birthday. One of my birthdays we had it at the, uh, um, Billings hotel, which we had a lot of birthdays at the Billings uh -huh. hotel. And I literally stayed up all night Making Power Ranger masks. Oh, I remember that. Out of paper. Yeah. Like, cause I, cause I had the, I had this harebrained idea in my head that all of me and my friends never even clued them in on any of it. I was just gonna surprise them that day, of uh, that we were gonna play Power Rangers for my birthday, 
with these paper masks that I made. And once we got to the hotel and like I, hey, guess what? Here's what we're doing. Tried to put Brad's mask on and it ripped. And I was just like, fuck it. We're not doing this. Like immediately I was just like, so like this project I put together fell apart. And I'm like, no, done. Like I don't even care about it anymore. You used to work hours on things. Yeah, I don't. I guess I kind of do still. Like, you used to draw Digimon mm-hmm. for hours. I drew all 101 Pokemon yeah. from the original, from memory. I mean, you just were your, you just enjoyed your own company. You really did. You know, you could you could occupy yourself for hours. You, know, you didn't need anybody else around. Well, still don't. <laughs> you do too. Well, I see. And I guess I will say this: that is something that's a little bit different about me. Is I'm definitely more of a social creature. Mm-hmm. Although I like solidarity sometimes, but there's times I crave social. Why go out to, to the bars all the time? All right. It's not because I like to drink or like. I mean, I can watch football games here. It's just because I like hanging out with people, even if it's just strangers. It's nice having social interaction. Uh, so what are you gonna do with those wreaths then? It'll just be in my garage. Well, you could. I mean, if anybody wants to buy a wreath, how much are you going to sell this for? 25 Okay. If anybody wants to buy a homemade wreath, how many do you have? I just have one right now. Oh, just the one? Yeah. Well, what happened to the other ones? It fell apart. Oh, you just had the two? Yeah. Oh, I thought you had more than that. I had three, and then I put one in my door, so. Oh, well. But I made you guys all wreaths mm-hmm. one yeah. I still have mine. I'm going to put it up. Then I took Landon's to the wrong house. I remember that. And it and it ended up, <laughs> we tried to go find it, because I was supposed to go up to his house, and I did, and he wasn't home, I thought, which he had been waiting for me, I guess. But I went to the wrong house, and he wasn't there, so I just left these cookies and this wreath on this porch. But somebody posted it on Facebook, somebody right? Somebody posted it on Facebook, and that's how he found his wreath. That's kind of cool. Though. I know. It was kind of a cool story. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I still have mine. I'm wi- I'm literally waiting for the power just to completely go out cuz I have all my I just put up all my lights and they're more than I had last year, so a lot more than you had last year. <laughs> waiting for overload. Did you plug them into different outlets though? Of course. You'll be fine. I know. I mean, Your if power bill's going to go up. Yeah, but whatever. Right? It's I mean, Christmas. they literally. It, it, so, if nothing goes. The way I figure it, because before the um, fuse would break or before anything else, a strand of lights would go out. Not necessarily. Yeah, it would overpower one of the strands, you is think how it so? would go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's happened before. Oh. And so, as long as they're still up going right now, nothing's going to burn out. No, I think they'll be fine. So, and I already went unchecked and seen how warm they were, just to make sure. <laughs> they don't get warm. That's not going to be your problem. They'll be fine. They don't take that much energy. Yeah, I know. But pretty happy with how it turned out. I think it turned out really super nice. I really like that little soldier. That brings back a lot of memories. So do the candy canes. Because we mm. used to go all out in our yard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we that was- really- my idea too. Yeah, I just want to say I take credit for that. But the last year when you weren't there, I did it all by myself. True, true. It sucked. I wish you still had some of those lights. I would have just, I would have used them for you. But things happen. Whatever. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. 
I have to go buy them all now. I wish which... we still had a lot of things that we used to have. Like a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. But things happen. Things change and yep. whatnot. So. Yeah. Um. So, I guess. Well, we kind of already touched on it, but I did want to ask you because I did, I totally failed to ask you last time, and um, I guess as long as you're comfortable talking about it, but it, it's just I think some pe- I think it would be an interesting topic to just discuss is um your history with the law. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. don't have to if you don't want no, to. It's but it's fine. It's fine. It's. I it's, think time's passed enough that it's been public knowledge for a long time. Fair enough. But I guess m- let me just start with this because I don't honestly think I actually know exactly why, like what it was that got you put away the last time. Let's start with the beginning. Okay. 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 Because this has been, I've been in the system for 45 years. I've been either in prison, pre-release, or on probation or parole. That's your whole life. More than that. Yeah. 45. That's more than all of ours. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And I still have till 2037 before I'm discharged. Um. The last time, well, we'll work up to that. Um, <laughs> my criminal history. Um, it started in 1994, a year after you were born. Um, I was falsely arrested. For? A black woman. How does that work? Well, it's strange. Um, a friend of mine was detailing my car. And while he was detailing my car, he did a gas drive off. Oh. I I had a good job at this time. Hadn't been involved in any criminal activity, so to speak. I probably wasn't exactly doing everything law-abiding citizens do. But I wasn't breaking the law, exactly. <clears throat> um, oops. So he did a da- gas drive off in my car. Um, came, parked the car, and... Jumped in my shower. Yeah, so I didn't know. About 20 minutes later, uh, a cop came to my door. Um, I was holding you. Ashley was five. And um, he told me that someone had done a gas drive-off in my car. Which, you know, he asked me if I knew who it was. I told him I didn't know who it was. And he said, well, if you'll just pay the $20, we'll call it good. So I paid him the $20. He said, but first I have to run your name. So he went back to the car and he ran my name. And he came back up to the door and he said, you're under arrest. And I said, for what? And he said, we have a warrant for your arrest. For somebody somebody else named Michelle Fisher. As it turned out. And I told him, I said, I need, I said, this is impossible that I have a warrant. I just barely moved back here to Billings, and it, I have not been arrested. Well, he said, same name, same date of birth. Well, that's he, crazy. He said, you're under arrest. So I kept telling him, run my Social Security number. Run my Social Security number. No. So we called Department of Family Services to come get you and Ashley. And I asked him, I said, could I please call my parents? to come get them instead of DFS. 
So he did let me call my parents, and my parents came and got you. They were flabbergasted that I was being arrested. Got put in the cop car, got taken down to jail, booked, fingerprinted, put in jail clothes, everything. First time I'd ever been to jail in my life. And I kept telling them, this isn't me, this isn't me, which I imagine a lot of people do when they go down there. Sure. And I said, I need to see the warrant. You know, I, I want to see the warrant. So the lady said, fine. So I was standing up at the counter as the warrant rolled off their fax machine, and I saw it coming off, and I saw an afro, then I saw a black face, and they pulled the warrant off, and it was for Michelle Fisher. She was five feet, four inches tall, 180 pounds, and she was definitely not white. So they still made me bond out of jail. What? Yeah, they still made me bond out of jail. And I called a friend of mine to post my bond because I had no money on me. So he came down, posted my bond, and we went directly over to a lawyer, Brad Andorfer. And... Of course, he took he took the case right away because it was a it was a Bogus. slam dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. a slam dunk. Of course, it went on the front page of the paper, or maybe quite not quite the front page, but it was definitely in the Billings Gazette as a false arrest or what? Yes, as a as a Billings woman falsely arrested, and um, I demand a, a public apology from the chief of police and the officer that arrested me, and we put in for a monetary. Suit. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. A quite quite large one. Well, the chief of police came over to my house to give me a public apology. I mean, to give me a one-on-one apology. Sure. Which he did. And he told me it would be to my advantage if I dropped the lawsuit and we would settle out of court. Well, I didn't think that that was what I wanted. So... That year, I was arrested probably 180 times. That year? Yeah. Sometimes two times a day, sometimes three times because a day. Because of the lawsuit? Because of the lawsuit. I had a good job at Herbert. How's that work? To defamate my character. Yeah, but like, don't they have to have some cause or what? There would be all, they would come up with all sorts of causes. Like I'd be parked in the yellow or... You know, I mean, it was just, it was just to deflate my character. It was anything and everything that they could come up with to, to arrest me. And all they would do was take me down, book and print me, and then let me go. Hmm. Or just to exhaust you? Yeah, just to, just to basically, when I would go into court, what it would do would, uh, they would show I had all these, all these arrests, and it would look really bad. Well, I got arrested so many times. I had a good job at at Herberger's. Here, I think you keep hitting that thing. It's making a noise. Sorry. It's okay. So I had a good job at Herberger's. I was in management. I was modeling for Herberger's. Um, but because I was arrested so many times, they had to let me go. Well, a hundred and some times. Jeez. Yeah. It was a lot. And my dad had a so- scanner at the time. Sounds like such a waste of resources but when you sue the city especially the police department they don't take kindly to that and it was definitely their fault right I mean, there was no it was a slam dunk yeah but 
So when I got fired from her burgers, I just decided that that was it, you know. And so I did start breaking the law, extensively breaking the law. Okay, like? Um, well, at that point in time, I hooked up with Landon and Asia's dad, and he was notorious. Uh, All of our dads. Yeah. Kind of were. He was probably one of the biggest outlaws in Billings at the time. Okay. Um, so he was selling drugs, and I decided that. How I got involved with this, I have no idea, but we started forging checks and stealing credit cards and soon became, I was probably one of the most wanted women in Billings, Montana. They said that I, I led a three-state forgery ring, Montana, Wyoming, and California, and Colorado. But that wasn't true? Or was it? It was partially true. Okay. <laughs> um, so the false arrest happened in 94. You were probably a year old. And from 94, 95, 96, um, this criminal activity ensued. We had um, a, a mail deliverer that we paid to just bring credit cards and checks to the house. Um, we would check mailboxes. It was just crazy to the point of $2.5 million in cash alone that we took out of those three states. Jesus. And that doesn't even include the jewelry, furniture, cars, you know, that was over and above the $2 million in cash. Um, it was, it was crazy. Um, every time... They finally arrested us in, I believe, 95 was when they finally arrested us. 95 or 96. Because that was right when, right before Asia was born. Yeah. Asia yeah. and China. Yeah. So, real quick, a lot of this kind of makes a little sense, seeing as how we had a lot of stuff as kids. <laughs> and, like, yeah. So, so how do you, how do you, like... I'm trying to figure out how how would you go about buying so many things and like it not coming up on IRS stuff or like I guess you wouldn't have to huh because it, it's under somebody not, else's name. Yeah. I can remember one time, and this was one of the biggest licks that I ever did, um, and I did it by myself. And anything that I did by myself, I never picked up a charge for. Anything that I did with anybody else, I got charged for. Um, people leaving paper trails. No, people told. Um, and um, so I remember this one time. Snitches. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. I learned everything there was about this woman. Everything. And I had her ID. And I went down to First Interstate Bank. And I took out a loan for $10,000 in her name. And... When I got the check and I was riding down the elevator, my heart was pounding so hard that I could hear it in my ears. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, the adrenaline was incredible. And 
when I ro came down, because I, I think we were on like the fifth floor, and I rode the elevator down because they told me that I could cash the check right downstairs or put it in a checking account, which we knew that wasn't going to happen. So when I got down to the bottom floor, there were two security guards standing there. And I thought, this is it. This is it. But I just told myself, keep your cool. Just keep your cool. Just remember that who you are and just walk and go cash your check. So I did, and I cashed a check, and I walked out, and there were $10,000 cash. Jesus. Yeah. That was one of the biggest, the biggest licks that I ever got. <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the story with uh, where Jake was falling out of the car or something like that? <laughs> well, we, uh, Jake had got a purse somewhere. Out of out of at a Sinclair gas station, he got a purse off the top of a car. How he got it, I don't know. But he came to the house, and we lived down on McDougal. And he came to the house, and he, he said, "Auntie, Auntie, I got a purse. I got a purse." You know. So it was kind of late at night, so we decided, well, we better go take advantage of this purse. So we went to Laurel because the gas station in Laurel was the only one open. The Sinclair gas station. So we went in, and we were buying a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff. Ashley was with us, this other kid was with us, and then Jake was driving. And so when we went in, I wrote the check and went to hand it to the lady. Well, the check was Lisa Pelican. Oh, yeah, I remember. How, okay, sorry. So it was a Pelican gas station. We didn't even think about it. So when I went to hand the check over, the lady started acting really sketchy about it, and she... There was this transvestite working there, and she kept telling this transvestite, whispering to him and stuff, so we knew something wasn't right. So I grabbed the check from her. Oh, she said to me first, she goes, you're not Lisa Pelican. I said, well, yes, I am. And she said, no, you're not. Lisa Pelican's my boss. Pelican, Lisa Pelican, Sinclair Gas Station, owned by Pelican, whatever. We were done. But we went to run out to his car, well, the doors didn't open, so everybody had to jump through the windows. So everyone was jumping through the windows. I had just bought Jake a pair of Oakley sunglasses. They fell out of the, the car, and so I'm like, go, go, go. And he's like, auntie, auntie, my Oakleys, my Oakleys. I said, fuck your Oakleys. Let's get out of here. So this one kid's legs were hanging out of the back window of the car, and he went screeching out of there and hit the lady with this kid's legs that were hanging out of the back of the car. Well, we got away, but that was just one of many, many incidents that... That was just one that I remembered, had, yeah. I had heard. But anyway, so back to, uh, back to, where were we on that? Oh, 96. So, so they were watching our house. I mean, seriously, it, it turned into a major, major thing. I mean... Like I say, two point five million is a lot of money. Yeah. Um there was in ninety six, yeah. There were three of us that were involved. I mean, we were driving Cadillacs. I had jewelry on every finger, you know, we had lots of cash, a lot of cash. We were doing a lot of drugs. So do you launder the money? Do you buy things and sell them? Like how do you get the money? Is it the same thing that you said where you went to the bank yeah, and okay. we just go in? We printed payroll checks. 
we made our own payroll checks. Um, people's different people's checks. We would make IDs to match the checks. Um, going to casinos, cash checks, payroll checks. We would go Walmart and anywhere that would cash a payroll check. You know, gotcha, we okay. would do that. Going and buy tons of merchandise and and sometimes sell it. You know, do whatever. But most of it was. We had a nice house. We had a nice house. I drove a Cadillac. Um, yeah. Okay. So they're watching. They're, yeah, they're watching. They're, I mean, setting up surveillance everywhere. We were... Full on Sopranos. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. We And we knew that they were watching, but we were just too arrogant to, you know, to play down to it. Well... One time we were we were thinking about just leaving town because we knew we knew that they were pretty close to getting us, and I rented a car with a credit card from somebody else. Well, they raided our house, and um, we lived on Third Street, right across from the park, in a little log cabin type house. You were just a tiny baby, and uh, they raided our house. Um, I got arrested. Rocky got arrested. They held Ashley at gunpoint to her head. Jesus, how old was she? Like she eight? Was, yeah, at the most eight. Her and her babysitter. The they hell? held them both at gunpoint. Rock was in the back bedroom. Um, from what he said, they he thinks that they intended to actually shoot him because he was known to always. All of us back then carried guns. I mean, it, I carried a, I carried a gun. He carried a gun. Everybody that we were traveling with carried a gun, and um, I was still out driving the stolen car. I didn't know all this was going on, and when I showed up, then I got arrested. He got arrested. Um, DFS Kim got Ashley. Um, we went to jail. You know, that was the first time I that I was arrested. I bonded out and. Uh, Proceeded, both of us bonded out. Rocky and I bonded out. Just proceeded to still carry on like nothing happened. And uh, I think I got arrested in '96. Was the was the big bang in '96? I moved in with my mom and dad because our house we lost our house, of course. And so I moved in with my mom and dad, and we still carried on like we hadn't even been arrested. And in '96. I went in, I got arrested, and that was that was it. There was no getting out there. How long was that one? That I was in jail. Um, well, when I went to jail, um, I found out that I was pregnant. So, um, but every time, every time that I would go to court, it would be front page news. Every time. It would be front page news. Woman leads three, three state forgery ring. Um, woman, just every time that I would go, the cameras would be in the court. It would be on the 8 o'clock news or the 6 o'clock news. It would be headlines. Only me. Not any of the others? None of the others. Why? I don't know. Just made for better headlines, I guess? Yeah. And... I don't want to say I was a mastermind behind it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Okay. Let's and- just quote that. So, 
Um, no, I, that wasn't the time that I went in pregnant. So I got out because um, my dad was dying. And um, I remember I was sitting in in uh, a little computer class that we could go to in there. And I was sitting in there, and um, they came and told me to come up front that the chaplain was up there. And so I went up front, and they put me on the phone. And at that point, I learned that my dad was in the hospital and that he wasn't probably going to make it. And so I went back to, of course, my cell, and um, very hopeless, not knowing what to do. So I tried to commit suicide. Jesus. And uh, I took a razor from one of the shavers that we got and slit my wrist because I thought that I could get up to the hospital that way and at least maybe be able to see my dad. But it didn't work. Um, I just got taken up front and put in a cell up front so they could watch me. Um, probably about five days after I heard that, my lawyer at the time, which was a piece of shit really, but <laughs> he went and he went and got me released to my mom's custody okay. so that I could at least go up and see, say my goodbyes to my dad and uh, attend the funeral. And so... I went up, and I remember when I first got released, I had to, this was before I, I totally, they totally agreed to let me out, but my lawyer took me up to the to the hospital to see my dad, and I was handcuffed and still in my jail clothes when I got to say my goodbye to my dad. And when I went in the room, I, I didn't even recognize my dad. I almost wished I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone up there to see him. Because that's the last memory I have of him in my in my brain. What did he have? Um, pneumonia. Oh, geez. Yeah. And uh, I think, honest to God, I think he was just overwhelmed by everything that I was doing, you know. And it got to the point where he couldn't even watch the news or read the paper because, like I say, for... For a year straight, it was it was headlines and and it was it was news. Yeah, um, it was a big deal. I mean, it was a pretty big deal. <laughs> um, so then they did release me to come out to his funeral, and I went after his funeral. I just went buck wild. You know, all this time you have to remember that there was drugs involved, mm -hmm. major drugs involved. And uh, and I was a major addict, so I just went buck wild after my dad died. And uh, so I got arrested in 95 and went to jail. The time, the, the dates are, are vague to me because I don't, there was so much going on for so long that it's hard for me to really remember when exactly that I, went to jail, but when, right before Asia was born, I got taken back in, mm -hmm. and this time. That uh, was a long stand. Yeah, okay. I wasn't getting out. And if I remember right, 
you got... Well, wait, now. I'm trying to remember here. Because... That must not have been that long. No, it wasn't. Because um, that time when I went in, um, they still had good time. Um, Where if whatever your sentence was, it got cut in half. Okay. So I went in, and uh, I was pregnant. In 93, you were born. Yes. So this had to be 96, which would be about right. Asia's. Yeah. So I went into jail and discovered while I was in jail that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, every time that I would go up to have my checkup at the hospital or whatever, um, a sheriff would have to take me. And I'd be shackled and belly chained and in my prison deal. And it, it was so intense because when i go up there, we'd be sitting in the waiting room. And all these other couples would be up there with their husband, and they'd be so excited. And and I'd go up there with the sheriff, and I'd be shackled and belly chained, and it was it was humiliating. But I remember at one point I went back for an ultrasound, and the nurse that was doing the ultrasound said, um, "Just a minute, I have to go get another tech." And I thought something's wrong. And I was like behind a curtain, but the sheriff was right out here setting. He was a young guy. And uh, so she came back in, and they started going over the ultrasound, and this lady said, uh, you're not just having one baby, you're having twins. And I was just like stunned. And I remember the sheriff that was sitting out there said, oh, my God, we're having twins? Because he had been the one that took me up there all the time. Yeah. And he was so excited. He was so excited for me. I wasn't. I was. I wasn't in the situation to be excited, especially for two about, more. Yeah, you know, especially about being incarcerated. And what am I going to do? Well, don't know what the future holds and right. whatnot. Like, what's going to happen to these two right. kids? Yeah. Because okay, so from my perspective, from what I remember, obviously, like young age, it's hard to remember things like this, but. Honestly, like, my first memories are uh, at Grandma Ellen's. Like, staying at Grandma Ellen's, Asian China. I literally, I think my oldest memory that I can, like, fully pull back from is, like, pushing Asia or China in one of those little, like, scooter things. Like, one of those little... Well, my mom took you. Okay. My mom had you. Okay. And Grandma Ellen had the girls. Okay. Um, well, either way, I remember being at Grandma Ellen's. Right. Yeah. And like, because being were, in that trailer on Phillips. You were real young when my mom had you. Okay. Um. But I think you were a lot of of what kept her going. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, she you slept with her. She. I mean, you only ate. You would only eat like. And freaking frozen dinners with like the little dinosaur. I remember that. It's hard. It's so weird when you try and like channel old memories. Like I'm trying to. I I, I don't even think I could remember. You remember getting new carpet in the house? I do. How- I remember that because I remember Grandma Mary taking us to McDonald's. But I'm pretty sure Asia was there too. No, Asia wasn't born. So it was just me. Mm-hmm. It was just you. Okay, so I do have faint memories like that. Um, when. When Asia was born, um, well, when they finally, 
because I was pregnant, I almost did my full pregnancy in county jail. Um, they finally took me over to prison, and that's where I had the girls while I was in prison. Um, had to go up in labor uh, to the hospital, shackled, and uh, go in and, uh, you know, go through the whole process. Um, Grandma Mary and Grandma Ellen were up there, but I couldn't see them. Um, they couldn't see me. And uh, Where's Rocky in all this? Rock's locked up. Okay. Rocky's locked up. Um, your dad, I don't, I don't know. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Doing his own thing. Um, I do, I do have faint memories as a child being around him too. Of your dad? Yeah. He, he's breezy in and out. Mm-hmm. Well, I have pictures and stuff. Yeah. With him and stuff. Yeah. But like, I mean, there were times when I was doing my criminal activity that you would go with him, that he would keep you for for a month or so. It's so bizarre. Think like now knowing how like all over the place I was at that age, like between grandma, both grandmas, my dad, uh, you when you were out and stuff like that. And it's just so weird to like, I remember being at my dad's house in Wyoming at one point. I remember being all the different houses with grandma and it's like, it doesn't feel like that was a thing. I, I, for one, I think it's a part of like when you're a kid, you, you're, you don't really have concept of right. things like that. Concept of time or concept of responsibility right. or, or like uh, gravity of situations, things like that. But also it's like, I'm sure I'm, I mean, I'm positive. I mentally blocked out a lot of my childhood. Oh, I'm sure. For whatever reasons. I'm sure. I mean, you were in several raids. I don't remember any of that. I'm sure. I'm sure you didn't. Because that's terrifying. It's so weird what the mind will do. Yeah, it's terrifying. You know, and I mean, this is how... To Okay, to honestly tell you how how the mind works is my trauma started when I was four years old. Mm. Um, I remember, do you hear gunshots? <laughs> Somebody doing fireworks? I don't know. <laughs> this happened last time I recorded. There was like, it wasn't like that, but it was like, it was like uh, somebody was plowing the road, and I was like, <laughs> I, I was in the middle of recording, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> but I, I did hear that. Did you? I hope it was fireworks. <laughs> God damn! Watch, we're gonna find out. Right? Something was just happening right down the street. I told you earlier there was cops right outside. Right. The... So see. It's been getting weird over here. There's it's been, been like getting weird everywhere in this town. There's like graffiti just right over on the side here. This the other morning, I was walking to work and the casino, the alarm was going off on the casino. Well, some guy got ran over just right down here on Broadwater and I killed. I, I think I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's freaking getting crazy. Yeah, it is. Anyway. But anyway. Ho- hopefully um, everything's cool out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> A little PTSD kicking in. Yeah, right? 
Um, you were saying your trauma at four. Yeah, at four. Um, of course, you know I'm adopted. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was told that I was adopted right when I was old enough to know. Well, I remember I was four years old, and I was an odd-looking little child. You know, I mean, I had big freckles. I had red hair, and it was cut off really short. But at that point, you don't, you don't know mm-hmm. that how you look, or you don't, Think you know. About, it's no. not something that's no, in the it's forefront just, of your yeah. mind. Um, and I remember my dad had bought me this trike, this red trike. And I was so excited to, because I'd see the neighborhood kids riding their trikes and everybody. So I was so excited to go out and show these kids my trike. And when I pushed it out there, there was four of them standing there. And they were a little bit older than me. And uh, so I pushed my trike out and I was so excited to show it to them. And I got on it and I didn't know how to ride it. And I remember these kids that were making fun of me. And this one kid said to me, he goes... You're so weird and ugly, it's no wonder that your parents gave you away. That's fucked up. And at that point, I really didn't understand what he's saying, but I understand it enough to know that it really hurt me. Yeah. And I pushed my trike up to the garage, and I went out, and I never did go back out again or ride my trike. It's so crazy what, like... One thing, like somebody can say one thing or one thing can happen to you, whether it was like intentional or not, and it will shape the rest of your life. And that, especially in like the younger years, that was the one thing that started my dislike for people and my dislike for, for communicating. Mm. I quit talking. Yeah. I quit talk. I would talk to my parents, um, but my whole existency was my dolls. That's who I talked to. I didn't go out and play anymore. Um, That's so crazy. Like, I mean, it's not because you, I mean, I've heard multiple t- stories like this, but it's like, it's just crazy what what little things can trigger somebody to. It was the start of, it was honest to God, the start of, my whole life of problems but also at the same time it's i mean we're all made up mentally different you know we all have different triggers we all have different like things that i mean some people might hear that and like totally take a total just because their brain works differently and they might take it totally different you know and and i don't know if it was because my parents told me i was adopted and that they I didn't understand what that meant at that time, but I know I knew that I came from somebody else. Yeah. That somebody else didn't want me. Well, and that's... I don't know when would be a better time to tell somebody that because it doesn't really matter at some point or the other whether you're older or younger. You're still going to feel like that rejection. Yeah. There's still that like underlying sense of rejection that at one point you weren't wanted. Right. And and that carried through for the rest of my life. Right. But I wonder if it would be better to find out later in life. Because then you at least have the capacity to, like, understand it a little more. I feel like then it would lead to distrust. I mean, I Yeah, don't... but also... Yeah, you're right. But also, you, I don't feel like you get that... That... Um, the sense of rejection and the fact that, like... 
Because you're you, not old enough to understand why somebody would give you away. Right. And and then you're f- constantly fighting with that at a young age where, where you're not really going to be capable of understanding. All you know is that rejection. I don't know. I wonder if there is any scientific uh, or like so, so, psychological. Well, um, I do know that that in most instance, instances, people that are addicts have been adopted. Interesting. And... I only know that because of my progression through everything. But um, I wonder if addiction is hereditary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say it is like alcoholism. I truly believe it is. I don't know because I don't know my real mom. I know my adoptive parents never drank, never did drugs. There was never I was never around that. Um, but that that moment right there changed my whole life at four years old my whole life changed mm-hmm. and um from there we moved to a house um from custer um after that happened my parents just didn't understand what the fuck you know what what was going on i wouldn't talk to pe- i i didn't want to leave the house i didn't want to talk to anybody my parents and my dolls my dolls became my best friend mm-hmm and I developed imaginary people. Um, they were worried about me, so they moved. We moved to a different house, and uh, I remember, of course, then I had to start school, which was terrifying to me, because then I had to be around kids, and I didn't talk. Um, I remember first grade. Because I didn't talk, my teacher was so angry with me that she literally put me over her knee and spanked me. Which just added to the trauma. Yeah. You know, it was just more trauma. So um, at eight years old, I started drinking. Mm. Um, I remember my mom was making cookies and uh, she was baking with vanilla extract and it smelled good. I asked her, can I taste that? And she let me taste it. And this is how I know that alcohol is hereditary. Because the minute I tasted that, I knew that it was something that either I needed or I wanted. And al- and vanilla extract has 8% alcohol. So why do you think that I haven't really had that then? Like, I, I've never had that, like, just need for alcohol. I mean, yes, I get fucked up from time to time, but it's not, it's purely out of social. Okay, so we had an uh, audio issue there, which actually worked out because I stopped to go to the bathroom <laughs> and noticed that the audio had stopped working. But we were just in the middle of talking about addiction and things like that, and I was asking how I, um, why it didn't really work on me, or, like, why I haven't really developed much uh alcoholism well yeah things like that but like obviously and then i had mentioned how i was i i do have some addictive personalities on certain aspects of things and like you said we a lot of us do have everybody everybody i don't care if you call yourself normal or not you have an addiction somewhere yeah but um by the time i was 10 i was a full-blown alcoholic Mm -hmm. i mean to the point where um, I would wake up in my own vomit. Um, but it gave me a sense of social belonging, 
when I was drinking. Mm. When I went to school, I could interact with the other kids. Um, I could talk. You know, it would it would cut my inhibitions. You know, um, but that was at eight. By the time I was ten, it was out of control. But nobody knew. My parents didn't know. They were taking me to doctors to try and find out what was wrong with me. Um, well, I, they say alcohol is the social lubricant. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But when you're 10, yeah, 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 you yeah. don't understand that. Well, All I'm, you know is you want to belong. You want to be part of something. Um, but you don't, at, at, at 8, 9, 10, you don't, you don't understand what's going on in yourself, why you can't, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't relate to what happened to me at four to why I was drinking at eight. Right. Yeah. You couldn't make that connection. No. So do you think because of the, uh, because of the, um, distrust for people and like the, the, um, just the, those, those fear of rejection or all that, all that stuff, the, uh, the, all the trauma and stuff made it easier to, um, to rip people or, uh, you know, to, to enter into my criminal activity. Yeah. And, and to like affect other people in that way, like doing the damage to, obviously when taking $10,000 out of people's account, like that's going to affect somebody else. Oh, definitely. But it's, it's, it's that disconnect that makes that easier. I think so. I think so, and I think that um, that the drugs and the alcohol numbs you to that. Sure. Okay. You so it's, it's a combination of everything. Yeah. So how do you how do you how do you get back that that uh, empathy for people? Well. Okay. So like being a full blown alcoholic at ten years old and nobody understanding it. Um, I had to go through electric shock therapy. Jesus. Um, at 10, I remember them hooking me up to um, machines and putting electric bolts through my body to try and um, understand what what my problem was. Um, it wasn't until they gave me a blood test. Um, I remember the doctors asking me, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? As if you were going to be able to tell. Yeah, them. as I'm going to say, I'm drinking vanilla extract to the point where I'm puking. I'm drinking cough medicine to the point where I'm blacking out. You know, that... I'm not going to tell anybody that. I didn't tell my parents. I wouldn't tell anybody else, you know? Yeah. And there was always that fear that my parents th that I had were going to give me away too. Mm. Because I was so fucking broken at that at that age that um i that great fear that now i'm gonna get giveaway again right because i thought that's why my real mom gave me away because i was broke and not fixable and so then it further increased to the fact that i was really broke by that time um but the electric shock therapy scramble my brain to the point where at one point I was totally not functional. Um, yeah, that's freaking way outdated. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is in, of course, you guys remember this is 80. I was born in 58, so that was yeah years ago. Yeah, they didn't. 
They didn't understand. Still, and they didn't is, know that it was alcohol that was that was making me be the way I was. Right. Which but still, I, it's like pff, electric shock. Therapy. To a 10-year-old. Like, what a... It's so... Like, you got to wonder about stuff like that, too. Like, what kind of practices, medical and psychological practices, were done that, uh, that fucked people up also? Yeah. And how do we know that that didn't affect me later on? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Which it's... Which it did. Think about it, too. Like, it's still going on. Like, the opioid crisis, that's completely by the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. The pharmaceutical industry created the opioid Big Farm contri- contributes to, I would say, 98% of the addictions in this, in this country. I believe it. Um, so, uh, at the, re- the way they discovered that I was an alcoholic was they did a blood test. At some point, they couldn't figure out anything else to do, so they did a blood test. Well, my alcohol level came back through the roof. Yeah. Or anything at that age would be so, alarming. At that point, they discovered, they put me on this drug called Anabuse, which uh, if you drink at all, even mouthwash, it causes you to vomit excruciatingly. So they put me on Anabuse, uh, but I figured out at 10 a way to get around the Anabuse. If I drank milk, before I took it, it, I didn't throw up as much. I still threw up, but I didn't throw up as much. So I still continued to drink um, to the point where I was stealing from the stores vanilla extract because, of course, my mom at that point... Stopped buying it. Yeah. Um, and there was another girl that was my same age that was also drinking with me. And we would go to Albertsons at the time, Buttrees it was called, and we would steal probably 10, 13, 20 bottles of vanilla extract. Jesus. And um, so. Do you get PTSD when you smell vanilla extract today? I get PTSD over a lot of <laughs> things. Over a lot of things. Just like that uh, backfire of that car or whatever it was. That gets me PTSD. Um, I've lived most of my life in fear. Do you remember when we threw those firecrackers next to the window at at, at- Ashley's bedroom. No. You don't remember that? No. At the trailer park or at McDougal? We took a black cats and threw them next to the window. And then we heard a big crash because they all <laughs> dove to the ground. Well, that would stand to reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were living in a trap house. Pretty sure it was you and me. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was somebody else. I will say, just speak, going back to memories and stuff like that, and like how kids don't really like understand situations and like the gravity of situations and like what's going on around them and things like that. Um, I specifically have this memory sitting at the house of McDougal, sitting in the living room, watching Dragon Ball Z because I had VHSs of Dragon Ball Z, whatever, playing with toys, watching the show. And I looked behind and like looked around me and there's at least three or four people just, passed out in my head everyone's just taking a nap but no everybody's all strung out on dope and like and and it just doesn't even click to me like there's all these people here just like probably zonked out on heroin or whatever i don't know what everyone was doing but like probably a combination yeah yeah or pilled out or whatever everyone's like or even alcohol whatever it was everyone's like zonked out on 
dope. And I'm sitting here watching Dragon Ball Z, like, whatever, not a care in the world, like, do-do-do-do-do. Actually, I'm surprised that you were even down on McDougal, because you hated that place. Yeah, well, I still don't have fond, like, too many fond memories of that place. Well, but. it wasn't a fond place to be. No. But, okay, so anyway, um, let's go back to, so, as I'm trying to re- retrack, I don't remember you going in the first time, in the 96. You were, you were little. Yeah. I remember, I think my next memories with you are, I want to say, I must have been in first grade, or even kindergarten. I had, like, it was, it was school. Like, I remember Central Heights, still living at Pueblo. You were there. And you must have been there all the way up until, let's see, when would that have been? Like, (sighs) third grade? I got out, okay, I got out shortly after the girls were born, okay, because when I was in prison, of course, we all know, when I had to leave the hospital, when I had to leave the hospital, Asia was in intensive care, and I hadn't even got a chance to touch her. Mm. I got a chance, oops, to hold China, but I didn't even get a chance to touch Asia. Um, When I left the hospital, I had to leave not knowing where either one of those girls were going to go. I didn't even know if if Asia was going to live at that point. Um, Had to go back to prison, and at that point, your grandma, Ellen, got the girls. Now, how does that work, considering she really had no ties to either of them when it comes to, like... Birthright, right? You know what I mean, like. Um, they were for everybody who's unaware. This is my dad's mom. (laughs) We have a really confusing family. Yeah, not there. So no, no real blood relation to them. Mm -mm. My mom had you. Okay. And so, which is even more bizarre because. (laughs) And because my mom was too old to take, which. Fair enough. Um. To to take on three people. Yeah. 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 Your grandma, originally, your grandma was, ref- they, the state denied your grandma the ability to take the girls because of her age also. And um, they were set to go to another couple. Um, and I would say their name, but that's not important. Um, but somebody discovered that was there was abuse, um, child abuse in that family. Oh, boy. And so right at the end, um, DFS stepped in and allowed your grandma to take the girls, which was a blessing. Total, total divine intervention at that point. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then, uh, of course, three months later, when I was in prison, I was working in industries and a complete stranger came up to me, a complete stranger and told me that China had died. How did they know? Because I imagine Grandma Ellen had called the prison to okay. tell them. So know. that's how you found out. Yeah, that's how I found out my baby had died. By a complete stranger. And then I got taken back to my cell. Jesus. And had to process that alone. Yeah. 
So then... They were... Then a few months after that, um, they did course there again. That, they did an article on me in the paper about giving birth in prison because back then... You should have saved all these articles. I you can you can look them up. <laughs> I guess that's true, huh? You can you can look, look up old archived yeah, stuff, huh? You can, and you'll find a lot of them. <laughs> um. So, one thing I have to back up and tell you, and this is another thing that, when I went to court to be sentenced, um, my dad had just passed away. Mm-hmm. My dad had probably been gone maybe a month, and I went in to be sentenced. Um, my mom was in the courtroom, and when I got up to be sentenced, um, the prosecutor said, not only should Michelle Fisher be charged with the crimes of blah, 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 but she should all be charged with homicide over the death of her father that died of a broken heart. That's fucked up. <laughs> that is fucked up. It is fucked up. Like, as if you're not already, like, feeling guilt remorse as it is yeah like just sadness over the loss of your dad anyway it's like and you did that yeah and 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 i already felt guilt because of the fact that i put them through hell yeah and so oh god that's so fucked up so and then my mom being out in the audience or in the yeah and not understanding what they were saying thought that I was going to be charged with homicide. Oh, my God. But I ended up getting 31 and a half years on my very first time. So, but obviously that's not what you did. I did 15. No. Yeah. On, between. Oh, okay. Between prison and probation, pre-release and probation. Because, so, but you must have got released fairly quick then. I did. After the girls, after the girls were born. Um, and that happened, and China died. They did another story in the paper about how she had passed, and they got me out of prison with a quickness mm. because there was a lot of backlash from the fact that I was incarcerated when the babies were born, number one. How And at that time, that was pretty much unheard of. And then the death, and then the public... Outcry? Yeah. And so they got me out of prison probably two months after she died. Okay. And Which kind of makes... Okay, now that's starting to... To kind of gel together with you. Right. So, well, and then... I remember... Because Landon was born. Like, no, I, not yet. No, no, no. I, I'm just saying, like... So... I, I remember being at the Pueblo house. And... Do you remember coming down to visit me at the pre-release no, at all? Not, don't. not that time. Uh-uh. Because then we go to... Then we... Then I got out and I did get to parole to Grandma Mary's house. Yes. Okay. So when did we come back in the picture? At that point. Okay. So, and then that was all the way up until... Uh, like, I want to say third grade for me. So oh, that yeah. So that would have been... Even a little bit later than that. Mm. C-93, 94. Because that would have been like 2003. I went back in. 2003, 2002, somewhere in there? I, I don't... About... Yeah, in 2002. Well, Landon was born... In 2000? Year 2000. Yeah. And the house on Pueblo got... Grandma Mary died. Mm-hmm. 
And that sent me into another freaking relapse. Was, so that's the point when it, because I remember that. I remember all that. And at that point, then I went back into prison. And that was like 2003 two. or two. So two wait, or three, yeah. Was Grandma Mary there before or after? Was she around when Landon was born? No. Okay. So, but that was a good two years then. Yeah. Between Grandma dying and you going back. Yeah. And I do remember, like, I remember Rocky being around. Yeah. I remember, like, getting new vans and yeah. things like that. At that point, we were still, Rock was selling a lot of drugs and, um, you know, so we, we had quite a bit of money then. Here's, just, this is kind of a little bit off, it's not completely off subject, but it's just kind of a detour. Um, this was a thought I had that maybe you can uh, play off of and just like verify for me. Um, collecting things seems like kind of an addictive trait, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, because Rocky collected cars, the Hot Wheel cars. Mm-hmm. You collected the roosters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I I don't know why I thought about that just a few days ago, but like people who like collect a lot of things i wonder if that's like an addictive trait in because there is kind of an addiction to to the collection itself yeah so i wonder if people who who are heavy in collecting things are prone to alcoholism or or drug addiction or things like that could be it's just something that I thought. I don't. I can't. I wish I could remember like why I thought that or like what it was that I because I I saw something or heard something that made me think of that, but I can't remember the source. Anyway, so so then you went back. Well, it's just the same stuff. A lot of the same stuff mm-hmm. this time around. Mm-hmm. Now this time was a longer stint because I want to say you were in for like eight years at that point, right? Because mm-hmm. two thousand two, and when you got out. I want to say it was... Six, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I did two thousand seven six years. Yeah, I went to pre-release. That sounds about right, because I would have been in middle school. Yeah. Because, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, you went to pre-release mm-hmm. for a short time. For over a year, because I went in as inmate worker for six months, and then I did six months in pre-release. Okay. So I was in there a year. Because I remember when you came. I remember. But, the, I remember the day you got out, and like, and that you when you showed up at Grandma's house on Adams Street. I remember that. Yeah, you guys didn't even know I was getting out. Right. No. And then I remember. Um. Was there, there had to have been an in-between because you got out and then the McDougal house and all that. Mm-hmm. So there was an in-between. I discharged my sentence. Um, I went, I got violated and I went back in and discharged my sentence. And I think that time I was in for two years. Okay. Altogether, I mean, I've been in the system for 45 years. Between prison, pre-release, and probation and parole, I've been I've been doing time for that long. Jeez, it's a long time. It is, <laughs> <laughs> and I still got ways to go. But I mean, there's been so many. I mean, it, I guess it's only fair 
for you to understand some of the things that led up to yeah. me be the way I am. Well, and that's I fair. Know. I mean, I, th- I think, I don't think anybody is just born a criminal or is born an, I an mean, addict. I, I, maybe you are though, because like we said, there is scientific evidence to back up that addiction is hereditary, but it definitely falls into play. Like there is nurture involved in that too. Like the setting that you're in, the people you be, you hang around. But then again, like you, like you were saying, like you drank the vanilla extract and it just like clicked. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Maybe there was nothing that was going to stop that from happening. Right. But the combination of things like the, the adoption thing, the kids bullying you, you know, you add all those things together. And and it's crazy because um, as I went through school, I always had a really low self-esteem because of, because of that initial, you're ugly and you're weird. That stuck with me. It's still, I've, I've carried that stigma for all my life. Yeah. And it led to, um, when I was, before I met Ashley's dad, um, I was working at this place, um, cleaning for this place. And um, there was this lady named Mary Frances. And at that point, my my drug progression had, had grown from alcohol to, well, let's back up. So when I was 14, I started dating this this kid and supposedly that was my first love but I can honestly tell you that I didn't know what love was I I loved my parents but I was I had that great fear of rejection yeah I was just talking about rejection like just the other day or or not the other day but a couple episodes ago I mean it's so huge it is so huge And and I, it makes me curious. Sorry, I'm not meaning to like step all over your your stuff, but um, I wonder where my fear of rejection comes from. Well, how do you think? Your well, mom went to prison. Your dad went to prison. You were here. You were there. You know, at, at one point you were homeless. You know, I mean, a place that which the Pueblo house was our security. You loved that house. Um, and then all of a sudden, one day, it's gone. And, right. and And all your stuff is still there. You know, you're removed. You get to take a few things. But you don't know what happened. You didn't understand what happened. All you knew was that the place that you loved and was security to you was all of a sudden gone. Yeah. And I wasn't there anymore. You know, so... so. Yeah, I guess... I, 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 if I really had dug into it, I probably could have figured that out myself. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, anything that you knew, not once, but several times, was taken away from you. Right. You know, and... Anyway, so, sorry, back to where you were talking about, you have 14. Well, at, like I said, at that point, my, my, 
longing to belong, longing to be normal um, was still driving me, you know. And the shock treatments, the abuse, all that stuff, it worked for a brief period of time. But then I started into my teenage years and marijuana, you know, all that still mood altering, changing. Also, at that time, they diagnosed me with a mental illness. For lack of, of anything better, of too. Of course, why not? Just add that. I mean, Landon kind of went through all this shit, too. Yeah. Remember? Like, yeah. He, they, they were just, like, throwing the book at him yeah. with, like, Ritalin and uh, what's the other one? Well, he was on every drug. I mean, yeah. he was on so many drugs that he was basically a zombie for well, a long period. And you know what sucks about all that? So what, during his childhood, they, ADHD was the most overdiagnosed thing in children. I honest to God think that's what started my addiction to methamphetamine. Was the anabolic? Was the Ritalin. Oh, you were on Ritalin yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, no, Ritalin is meth. Yeah. It's like one chemical away from yeah. being meth. Yeah. And, and when I was 10, they started the Ritalin. Adderall. That was the other one. But Ritalin was the first. That was the first deal. And you're right. That was every any kid that misbehaved or acted up, they were ADHD. Yeah. It, it was the absolute most overdiagnosed <laughs> thing in children. And it was just another reason to start feeding kids pills. Yeah. And then came manic depression and bipolar and all this shit. And then more pills and more pills and more pills. You know, yeah. I mean, honestly... Um, and this is the God honest truth. I don't, and still to this day, I'm just now finding out who I am. Yeah. Because I've been drugged for so long that my emotions have been so. Chemical, chemically dependent. That, that there's some emotions that to this day that I'm feeling that I don't understand. That's reasonable when you think about all that. I mean,. When it, whether it was prescription drugs or street drugs. street drugs, yeah, it's like it's all dissociative. It's all like you can't really like. I mean, even when even when I drink and when I like get drunk, you know, I feel differently than when I'm sitting normally. And to an extent, I I can understand why people like to stay in that state of mind because. I mean, personally, I feel a little bit more loose. I feel more social. I feel more... Funny. Funny. I feel more uh, apt to do things that I normally wouldn't do as far as... Not like adrenaline-seeking, but like, you know, like, just spur the moment. Well, like, your inhibitions are all just so lowered. You know I mean? It's, and for me, being such a guarded person and like not really always willing to take a chance. There is like a part of me that wants that that wishes I was more like that. So the you know wanting to be like that drinking makes you more like you said uh what what how did you put it? Your inhibitions. inhibitions. Yeah, it lowers your inhibitions. So I get that, but also I guess I just know that that's not right. 
and I perf- I personally prefer my own just being in like my own state of mind, like the my sober state of mind. I prefer that over but I can understand why it's um why people would seek that. Well there comes a point in time, <clears throat> like I know with myself, that I have done so many things in my life that have been horrible. I've seen so many things in my life that have been horrible. Um, that it's a way to escape all that. It's a way to to not think about that. To um, just to av- to avoid that memory. Yeah. You know, because honestly, God, I have seen and done some very horrible things in my life. Well. We're definitely gonna have to do a part two, <laughs> okay? Because we're getting toward the end here, okay. and I feel like there's a lot more I want to ask and a lot more we need to talk about. But we'll leave the audience in a suspense, okay? And we can always stay tuned. Yeah, we'll always come back to a, and we'll do it sooner than two years. <laughs> but let's not leave on a, you know, let's leave on a high note, okay? As I like to do, not to say like. Even- One thing I do have to say, okay, and this is and this is very positive, is your and my relationship was strained for a lot of years. I'm sure you didn't trust me, you know. Well, I mean, that was evident when when you got out, and I didn't want to stay with you, right? Literally, right? Like, you know, but you did eventually. It, you did, but I think that the turning point in our relationship was when I had to move in here. A big turning point in our relationship is... That recent? I do. Okay. Why is that? Because we became closer. We got to spend time together. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like... I mean, up to that point, I feel like there was always... You had a skepticism about me. You know? Fair. I do. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that's how I felt. That... um, that between you and I, there was there was a strain. I have kept skepticism about everybody. But I feel like, you know <laughs> what I mean? And then I feel like that was a turning point. And now I have to honestly say that I feel like we're, we're, we're close. Yeah. I would know? agree. Which to me is, I mean, extraordinary. Yeah. No, I'm, I would agree. I, I don't know if that was the point, but maybe... To you, I, I I guess I couldn't. I think it was when you left. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think that's when I was like, all right. Oh, God, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's close the show. Positive, motivational message to the guests. We can relate it to however what it was we were talking about or just whatever you want it to be. Something from you that you want to relate to the audience. That would be a positive or motivational message. I would just say that. Um, I mean, there's a lot to take away from all this. There, I think the main thing is don't live in the past. Don't let your past, don't let your past dictate your future. You know, you can't change the past. You can only move forward. You know, and and holding on to all that negative or. Whatever that has happened in the past doesn't have to dictate where you're going tomorrow. You can learn from it still. You have to learn from it. And and 
if you take away from everything, be it positive or negative, that you've gone through, it makes you who you are. It gives you strength. It gives you motivation. It gives you a desire to continue on. But the worst thing you can do is dwell on it. Definitely. Because that's not positive. Then you're just feeding. A lot of people go through life constantly feeling sorry for themselves and using their past. As an excuse. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I've we've seen that. We still see it. Oh, yeah. For sure. All right. Well, I like that. That's a good one to go out on. Okay. And we'll definitely have to do a part two. <laughs> There's just too much to unpack. It's a long life. It is. And we'll definitely, it's just more of a reason to do it all again. Okay. So thanks for coming on. Yep. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And we got holiday season coming up. Yep. So we'll definitely be doing all that stuff. It'll be fun. And thank you all for listening. Uh, like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. But most importantly, don't forget, life's a garden. Dig it. Garden, dig it.